You are now listening to the Claim It podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I have conversations with people who intrigue and inspire me. We go through the journey of their life, how they got to where they are today, the ups and downs, and how they get through the day to day. Because I believe that our feelings of enoughness, success, fulfillment, being loved are not out there somewhere. Once I have this job, meet this person, have this salary, house, kids, whatever it is, then I will feel enough, loved, fulfilled, successful. It's not how it works, guys. If you're constantly putting it out there somewhere, you will never truly feel it. You'll keep chasing it. So it is up to us to claim it. And that's a moment to moment job. On today's episode, I have Heather Reinhardt. She's a writer, producer, a heart surrendered woman. What does that mean? You'll learn. She wrote a book called Go Love Yourself and is also working on a project right now that we get into. And um, yeah, we'll learn about why it was so important to her to write a book about self-love. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave me a review that helps the podcast get placed. And also, I love hearing from you. If you do so, screenshot your review. Send it to podcast at yourdwellgist.gov.com and I will send you a little gift from my product line. All right, let's get into the episode. Hi, Heather. Hello. So this is always fun. I sometimes, you know, when I'm talking to people, a lot of times when I'm talking to people, I have some sort of personal relationship to them and like know a little bit of their background, but not some, or I've been following somebody for a while. And even though we've been like in each other's spheres for a little while, I don't know much about you, but I know that you wrote a book called Go Love Yourself. Is that right? Correct. So makes me believe that you must have had some things happening in your life that showed up to really make you be like, I need to go love myself and go tell other people to do. So where did your story with that start? And I'm guessing like... Is it tied into like growing up or did you have like this one clear? I'm guessing like there were probably with my like self-love journey, there's like this and then this and then this and then like several moments. But like, yeah, like it's wanting to get into your history. I like to get into like the history of your life. So I don't know where to start with you. Look, what was growing up like? Yeah, let's start there. That's that's easy breezy, right? Let's just start from the beginning. Um, I grew up right outside of Atlanta in suburban very, very suburban neighborhood where everything was kind of pre-planned for people's lives. You get married, you go to one of these five schools in the Southeast, you get married, have kids, cool there. And I realized probably 15, 16 years old, I was like, I don't think I want to do that. I don't want to do what everybody else is talking about. And it was that point where I was like, I think I'm a little different than everybody else which then eventually prompted me to move to Los Angeles at age 22. And I kind of fell down the... Well, so let's go back even from there. So like you were already like 15, 16, seeing like, okay, there's this like carbon copy, you know, what I like to definitely point out is the shoulds that we fall into. Like, okay, yes. we graduate high school, we should go to, we go to college. We then, you know, get a job at this type of place and then we get married and then we have kids and like that. And so were you like, I don't even think I want to go to college. Like, I don't want one of these cookie cutter jobs. Like, did you have any idea of what you did want to do or just like, I don't like this like feeling of we're just like on this, like I have to choose this model of living. 
Right. I did not know what I wanted to do yet. I just knew that I didn't want to do that. And so what did you do after high school? I did go to college. I went to Auburn, which was one of the five places you could go (laughs) from my town. (laughs) Must go to an SEC football school. Like that was pretty much the requirement. And what was that experience like? And did you just like, okay, pick any sort of major, like, again, try to be like, I guess I follow the crowd, but this doesn't feel right. Like, did you struggle with that sort of like figuring out what you're supposed to be doing? Yeah, I went into liberal arts just because. Okay made the most sense to me. Like if I absolutely had to be at college and looking back, like, I guess I didn't really have to be there. My parents weren't necessarily like, you have to go to college. It was just expected in the community that that's just what you did. Um, but then when I left college, I had this like breakdown of, I don't know what to do with my life. I'm not necessarily trained for anything. And I don't necessarily have a passion that I'm running towards. And I started working at a mortgage law firm. I think that's what it was. My parents had been in the mortgage and real estate industry for years. So it was one of those friends of a friend and my parents. And I get this job in 2008. And then six weeks later, no job anymore. because <laughs> the recession and everything happened. Oh. The mortgage and I'm like, all right, well, that's not what I'm going to do. And I'd always heard in my own calling, it's like LA is your home. LA is your home stepped off the plane. I was like, yeah, this is, I like this. I could totally get down with Los Angeles. So after college and then losing that first job of having it for six weeks, I don't really even know if that's actually a job or not. (laughs) But um, I got to evaluate that voice inside my head that told me LA is where I needed to be. And I somehow convinced my parents that I should move to LA and they should pay for it. (laughs) And I, and the agreement we came to was, well, if you're going to do that, you have to continue education. And I'd always had a thing for makeup because I grew up as a competition dancer. So I was doing stage makeup for not only myself, but everybody else on my team. And I remember thinking like, that's something that I actually really enjoy doing. And I think I could make that into a career. And especially in LA. Especially in LA. It was kind of the only place to come at that time to, to get that kind of education for film and television. So I packed up, moved out here in July of 2008 and pretty much have never left (laughs) other than it could be occasional flying home to see family. But I actually end up convincing them to come here more than I go there. So did you find a like a makeup program? Was it specific for film or what did you do? Yeah, I found a place out here in Los Angeles that did do basic beauty and then also things for films such as the monster makeup and the the blood oh, and the right. and things like that. And I did education on that, but it wasn't my thing. I always preferred natural beauty. And the first two years in LA, I worked pretty full-time as a makeup artist. And every set that I was on, someone would come up to me from um, above the line, like producers or the director, or even one of, one of the writers came up to me on one set and said, why are you a makeup artist? Like these people were generally questioning me. Huh. I was like, because it's what I moved here to do. And they're like, oh, okay, well you just have such like producer energy. And, and I think you might be a producer. And that was said to me so many times. And eventually I was like, okay, so there's something to this. Well, in that experience, first of all, how do you even start getting the makeup jobs? Is it like from your school? Like you are able to make connections and start working on things? Yeah. And this was 2008. So it was a totally different world at that point regarding 
uh, how to network because nowadays everything's done through your Instagram page. Right. Like, oh, okay, they have this many Instagram followers or it says this person used them. So they must be good. (laughs) Yeah. At that time, it was mostly word of mouth. And some of the makeup schools had like a bulletin board of these are the jobs that are looking. And a lot of times there would be union makeup artists who were on um, sitcoms or series that needed like personal assisting help where I wasn't, I did a few of these jobs where I wasn't necessarily on set with them, but I would like go to the stores and get makeup for them. Right. Or, Cause they were like working so much. They didn't have time to like do that sort right. of stuff as the job. Um, and did you love it? Were you enjoying it? I definitely, I enjoyed it for that time period of my life. Um, it, it was a big change of pace com- considering where I grew up in Atlanta versus LA, but I, I definitely, I sunk into it like, oh yeah, Hollywood's where I belong. And then the more I was told I was a producer and then eventually someone told me I was a writer and that made a lot of sense too, because I've always been a journaler. Um, I started to work for a producer as his assistant and actually he was a writer as well. And I, I actually got to watch him write a screenplay. And I was the first person that got to read all of it. And does this make sense? Does that make sense? I I got to input um, my thoughts into it. I was like, this is really fun. I kind of like this. And simultaneously, he was also teaching me a lot about self-worth, spirituality, um, you know, astrology meets energy work, Reiki, chakras, healing. So I was getting this like double dose of Dharma at age 23. And that was just because that was what he was practicing and living and learning. So you were working for him as assistants. You're around him all the time. So he's just like sprinkling these like things because that's how he lives. Exactly. Like I learned about the industry and then also spirituality. And it was like that I could not have planned my dharmic path better. Like it was definitely (laughs) delivered to me. Um, And then from there, I went on to do a couple of other assisting gigs with some, some names in Hollywood and got kind of in the door and figured out like, oh, I actually really do want to be a writer. And simultaneously worked on my self-love journey. They, They really have been right next to each other the entire time which led me to start reading. What what also like led you to working on the self-love journey? Was it because like these seeds that that first producer was planting in your mind and made you think like, oh, what is this about self-worth? Like, how do I feel about myself? Like, do I love myself? Like, like, what did that look like for you? He had told me, he was like, the road that you have ahead of you for your lifetime, you will be a writer and producer and you're going to help people love themselves. And I was like, that's cool. What does that mean? (laughs) And he wasn't able to answer it for me because he was like, only you'll be able to figure that out. And it'll take you a few years. And he even told me, I was 23 at the time. And he told me, he was like, around age 29 or 30, you'll understand. Weird. Okay. So he definitely had some, some insight. Wow. On, on my, and he, he read a lot of astrology as well. So I'm assuming like he was just able to see some of that in my chart. And I, yeah, around 29, age 30, I started writing um, my first book, which actually has not been published yet. The book that I have out right now is technically the second book that I wrote. But I started writing um, a book series that I also realized about halfway through it. I was like, oh, this is for television. This is not just a book. This is four books and it's going to go to TV and potentially film as well. And it's my story, my journey, fictionalized, but uh, how I came into self-love and I do it through the lens of relationships. So it's all about kind of like thank you next, really, like looking at each relationship that I'd been in 
and acknowledging, okay, these are the parts that worked and these are the parts that didn't work. And that's what I'll take with me moving on. And this is what I'll release. And I, I don't have to learn that lesson again. So right, my writing actually really was able to show me what self-love is and self-worth. So when you were writing that, that first, like the, that's not out yet, but what you thought, like, okay, I'm writing this, it's a book. So were you writing it as the fact of that it was fiction? Like, were you writing, you know, like at that point, was the purpose yeah. for your writing? Like, were you sitting down thinking, I'm going to write a fiction book or I'm going to write this TV series? Not like, I'm going to teach the world about self-love, but like you were like, doing that, but kind of like, because when you're saying that you were like sort of teaching yourself through that, that's what I'm wondering, like if you came from it from a different perspective that when you then got into it, like, oh, right, this is what it is. Yeah. Well, I, I was writing it knowing they were based off of my stories and then having to fictionalize it. Right. Not only for just like my own personal purpose of like not wanting to tell my full story or whatever, but also because it just made sense in the arc of the story to have certain things fictionalized. Um, just so that the story would flow better. But I realized along the way that, and this is something I've, I, I started writing this project, it's called Past Life Husbands. And it's like a spiritual sex in the city. But I started writing it five years ago. And something that I've been working with lately is like, wow, I've kind of confused myself, like who I am with the main character. Her name is Millie. And it's been this wild, like mirror ride of like, wait, that's Millie because Millie's still on this very early self-love journey versus Heather, who has been on this journey for like 13 years. It's, it's been this really interesting, like deep dive of my own spirituality. But um, yeah, I, I knew that what I was learning about myself was so deep and profound that it was like, once I had those tools of understanding how to dissect relationship, which is done through writing in a journal, because in the, in the book, she's journaling. So it also displays how to kind of journal through all of your past relationships. But I realized when I was done writing the first drafts of these books, that I absolutely had to teach this and share this with the world. That if I had this knowledge to kind of transform my life and look at everything I'd been through and turn it into self-love it was almost my responsibility to share it. Like I couldn't hide or, or keep this information secret. Like I, I needed to blast it out into the world to help people. And so you so the, the story that Millie is going, you know, re journaling about all her past relationships. Is that something that you were doing, had done in your real life before you started writing this book? Or was this something that you created for the self-love journey? And then you started doing <laughs> I created it and started doing it simultaneously. Like I went on the yeah. journey with Millie. Got it. But so it wasn't like, oh, this is how I did it. And I saw this. And now I'm going to write this fictionalized character about this that does this too. Like you'd be like, oh, this would be a great idea for her to get self-love. She'll journal about it. And then you're like, okay, so then you start journaling about yourself. A hundred percent. Like you sort of created this reality for this other person. And then you were taking yourself along for the ride. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Wait, I need to do that. Like, <laughs> it was it was one of the wildest experiences of my life that has definitely caused confusion and also therapy <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> Got it. So that's why then you finish the book and like again, like then you're like, oh wow, I just sort of created this amazing tool that I you hadn't planned to. It was just going to be part of like your character's story. Exactly. And then so you wanted to start teaching it. So what did you start doing? Well, then I realized... And also at the time you're writing this, are you also working for someone else and you're doing it on on like free time? Like, how, like how are you paying your bills? I was doing mostly, mostly assistant work for random people. 
just, and I, and I, I always had a pretty open, flexible schedule. So I would, I had a lot of free time to create. Got it. So yes, you're doing that for money. And then in the other time, this is your, your project. Yeah. And I had told myself in like 2012, it's like, you know what? I really want to work from home. I want to work from home. I want to have this beautiful office so I can create all these projects. And because I already knew I was going to create projects. I just didn't know what they were yet. Uh, Cause I believed all the people that told me. Yeah. You were like, Oh, I'm coming up on this, this date that this person gave me. Yeah. Like I got to get that coming. place ready. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then by 2013 or so I was fully at home, like 80% of the time working from home. And I was like, Hey, it manifested. That's great. So after I wrote the first draft of past life husbands and kind of realized like, Oh, this is so intricately woven together. I think I need to go back before I release this and write another book that kind of introduces what self-love is. So that became Go Love Yourself. Got it. So before you, so that was your format for teaching it. Yes. Got it. It's kind of like the foundation builder. And what was that process? Because like, I, yeah, I'm like in that right now of them being like, okay, I have a message to share with the world. I have a book. I'm going to write a book proposal and all of that. And like, did you struggle with who am I to tell this story or why me or other people are talking about self-love or anything like that? Or what what kept you to keep showing up to make this happen? That's a great question. I definitely had moments of, um, what is it called? The uh, imposter. Yeah, yeah, I definitely have experienced moments of that, but I never really let it get to me at any time. And, and like some, I still have moments like that, but when they creep in, I'm like, wait, no, that's fear. That is not allowed in. So I, I try to catch it as quickly as I can before I can, because, you know, we can all spiral down and that's, yeah, that's a fun thing. <laughs> um, but my, my biggest tip on writing a book or really in general, like creating a project is if you can get two solid paragraphs done in one day, that is a win. Like it's just a win, right? Yeah. And that was my rule of myself when I started, even when I was writing Past Life Husbands book one, it was like two paragraphs a day. And 90% of the time it turned into two to five pages. And then from there, that's how I wrote Go Love Yourself too. Cause I was like, I already birthed one book. I can birth another one. And this is a self-help version of- So did you write the whole book before pitching it? Yeah, I did actually. Wow. Because I was, it just, it birthed out of me pretty quickly. I think I did Go Love Yourself within about four or five months. And I had a couple of different publishing offers on the table, but quite honestly, they wanted all of my rights. Even when I was going to go to speak about it, they wanted certain like, oh, well, if you get a contract at a, a speaking event, we were owed some of that. I was like, I don't think how, that's not how I want to do things. So I ended up creating my own publishing company and I self-published Go Love Yourself. Oh, wow. Yeah. Good for you. It was, it was an empowering thing for me because it taught me, oh, I can literally do anything I put my mind to. I can figure out how to formulate a company and start the LLC and do all that stuff. And I mean, granted, I have friends that have that are attorneys and, and CPAs. So I, I had people to lean upon and say, Hey, how do I do this? But I, I did it. And it was a big like, Hey, yay, I can do anything I want. Yeah. And that's, I think, um, yeah. And I think like, yeah, I know friends, the same thing that have chosen to self-publish. And then like, I'm like wanting to do traditional publishing, but I'm also like, not, you know, of course, if something comes and it's not showing up how I want it to, but I think that it is so like, the people that I know that self-publish, like, I feel like that says even more about the person that they're sort of like, look, this 
needs to come in the world. It is coming into the world. I'm not going to wait for your timeline or your rules or your edits or your whatever. Like these words, this story, this mission is so inspired by me or like I'm so connected to this it must be living in the world so I am going to make it happen like so I yeah I think that's what I'm saying like even though I'm like I don't want to self-publish I want a traditional publish even though I know I can self-publish it's just like I those people that I know that have self-published it's like it's like you can feel fire coming out of their hearts (laughs) literally and I didn't want to self-publish either I was very used to the idea of traditional publishing, a handful of people that I've worked for over the years have had book deals with some of the top five publishing contracts or companies. And I'd seen contracts. I understood them. And I was just like, you know what? I I'm I have a powerful message that goes way beyond just one book. It's going to be an entire brand over the next 10 to 20 years. I need to own my rights. And that you're right. Like it is this like, I have this passion, like this is what I'm supposed to be doing and no one's going to stop me. So, okay. So then you wrote the book, self-publish it and um, where, yeah. What happened after that? I became my own marketing and media team as well. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I actually teamed up with Lululemon. They do community events um, typically at every one of their stores once a month. And I just started offering book signings with self-love yoga classes. I would team team up with whoever they're um, ambassador yoga teacher was, and we do a beautiful class together. And that be, kind of became my, my book signing tour. That's very cool. And that, did you know somebody at Lululemon or was that just you putting yourself out there and it saying- was, it was me putting myself out there. Actually a friend of mine, I think a couple of weeks after we ha- I had published, we'd met for lunch one day and she was in town from Seattle and she was like, you should contact Lululemon. This would be a great platform for you. So just her idea. And then I just I started cold calling and emailing and went around to a handful of different states. And it was really a blast. I had one experience in Salt Lake City where this woman came up to me. She was in her early 20s and had a baby that was like a really little. And I was doing the book signing and she was kind of lingering over in the corner a little bit, looking like she wanted to come up and talk to me. And finally, as people had kind of cleared away, she came over and, and was like, I, I actually already read your book. I read it on a plane a couple of weeks ago and I saw you were going to be here and I just wanted to come meet you and say hello. And this chapter changed my life and the way that you formatted this, I really understood it. And it really helped implement new things into my life. And I was just so blown away by that. Like she came to meet me. Yeah. <laughs> So what do you feel like? Because uh, I feel like especially these days and now like the blessing of Instagram is that we get so much information, but also a curse is that there's so much information, it can be overwhelming. And I feel like it's a lot of intake, but maybe people aren't as, as actionable. You know, it's like, oh, let me like this. Let me share this affirmation. Let me, you know, do this, follow all these people that are talking about self-love or whatever your thing is, wellness, that. But it doesn't mean that you're actually doing the work. Correct. So what, um, how would you even just describe what is self-love? A righteous knowing of one's identity. A righteous knowing of one's identity. That's one of my definitions of self-love. Because love yourself, you truly understand who you are. You know your motivations and you know your light side, you know your shadow side, and you, you are aware of the choices that you're making and why you're making them. So you righteously know yourself. And where do you feel like, or have you seen, or even in your own self, have you witnessed that people like can struggle the most with, with that? 
I see the anxiety that people have as someone who has also dealt with bouts of anxiety. And my self-love journey has definitely helped me understand why I have anxiety. I have the anxiety because I want to control things because that's a childhood thing. Um, and I can see that in people. And I also, I, I really love the idea of self-love helps support our, support us during our struggles, anxiety being my main one. Um, because when, when we learn to love ourselves and really learn who we are, we realize that judgment is a waste of time, judgment to ourselves, judgment, judgment on others. It's just a waste of time and that it only fuels the anxiety. So when we realize like, oh, I'm not going to judge myself anymore. Instead, I'm going to choose to have compassion and love myself no matter where I am in the journey. If we learn to stop judging ourselves, we therefore would have to stop judging others as well eventually on the path. And then if we stop judging others, what would the world look like? Like self-love is a, is a hefty dose of the medicine that's needed for our society, I believe. Yeah. And what I think is that what can happen so often is that people think like self-love is like a one and done thing. Like, cool, I really worked through this hard time or, OK, I'm finally discovering what self is and I'm finally putting it into action. And I've gotten through this hard, gotten through this thing like I have self-love. I love myself. But then, like you said, that with judgment is that we can be constantly judging ourselves every day. And like, yeah, like, oh, anxiety came up like or oh, a doubt came up, a fear came up like I messed up or whatever, because I must be doubting myself or judging myself. And that it's like, yeah, the choosing love again and again and again and, and in compassion again and again and again, because we are humans and we're always going to have doubts and fears and judgments and all of the things are we're, we're never going to be able to stop the judgments from happening. Right. But we can continuously see, oh, this is me judging myself or this is me judging someone else. OK, what does that feel like? OK, what would it feel like to choose to choose love? Or is that thought? And that's what I you know, I my thing for judgment is to constantly ask myself, like, do I believe this to be true? Because yeah. it's a lot of times we're judging ourselves or we're afraid of what somebody else will say to us or say about us if we do the thing, say the thing, wear the thing, whatever it is. And then sometimes there are real judgments. <laughs> and true. so that it's like being able to constantly check in like, oh, OK, this is I'm judging myself. Like, is this something that I believe to be true about myself? And like, Sometimes it's a yes, like, oh, I don't believe I'm enough right now, or I don't believe that this is going to work out. Okay, well, like, and what else can I believe? Like that no, no fears and doubts like are real and that you don't even have to like wipe over them to go straight to like an affirmation of a positive statement. But like, yeah, I'm actually nervous about that. Yeah, this might not work out. That is the truth. That or not, it's one version of the truth that is possible. And I believe I'm worthy of trying or I believe I am yeah. capable and all that. So like for me, it's like the constant and like asking, like, is this judgment true? Like, is this actually what I believe? And then you can say like, no. So if somebody else is judging you and it might suck and it feels terrible, then but is this what I believe? Right. No. They're running their own story because we're all running our own stories. Yeah. So it's like, but that's what for me, it's like realizing that self-love is a like a minute to minute, second to second thing. <laughs> like oh, you yeah. have to constantly be working on it and choosing it. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I just had this metaphor slash epiphany last night as I was thinking about my control issues. My control issues stem from my childhood of wanting everything to be emotionally stable. 
So anytime any like tyrant energy comes into the room, I'm the one that's like, it's okay, guys, everything's going to be fine. And like that particular fingerprint is on everything in my life. And some of it is useful. And then other times it's not because it turns into me just like trying to control the control. (laughs) Uh, But I was thinking last night about how I got this gift of it's a piece of we'll call it like a piece of silver, like a metaphorical piece of silver. It's like from my childhood or from my mom or wherever wherever like your, your wound comes from. Right. And when we get the gift, it's all tarnished, but it's up to us to, to polish it, to realize like, Oh, this gift is actually going to serve me once polished. But the thing about silver is, is that it continues to tarnish because it's in the element of air. So it's one of those things that just constantly has to be polished and it just never ends. It's me, Trisha. I wanted to bring you a brief interruption to tell you about some amazing resources to brighten your day, especially during this time. One, my daily inspiration app. It's called Own Your Awesome. It's available in both the Google Play and Apple App Stores. Hundreds of powerful thoughts and affirmations you can come to at any time to pick a card, to share it, to favorite it, to always come back to. You can also set an alarm in the app so that it reminds you to go pick a card, shift your mindset. I just got one right now. And it says, my fears do not stop me. They push me to connect deeper to the truth of who I am. And I also then just got baby steps are steps. Take one today. That's when I need. I'm feeling major resistance and that I don't have enough time to do things. So it keeps me from not doing anything. So baby steps are steps. Another amazing resource is I have a 31-day email program that gets you connected to you. I am connected to me. It has you going through all different areas of your life, from what's in your closet, your pantry, your emails, your mind, what brings you joy. It goes through all areas of your life to get reconnected to you things that are easily for you to do in each day. To learn more about that, P.S. it's only 30 bucks, 33 bucks for 31 days of emails. Go to yourdwellgist.com slash connected. And if you're looking for deeper, more support, I also have a podcast partner at BetterHelp. It's licensed therapy that you can do from your home virtually through a phone call, a video call, or their secure messaging. If you go to trybetterhelp.com slash claim it, you can get 10% off your first month. You go there and it asks you sorts of questions on what you're working on, what you're struggling with, and it'll pair you with a bunch of different counselors to choose from, and then you get to choose from those. It's also easy to change counselors. It's a really great platform. They also offer financial aid, and it's already more affordable than traditional therapy. So go to trybetterhelp.com slash claim it. All right, so check out the app, Own Your Awesome, I Am Connected to Me program, or BetterHelp. Let's get back to the episode. So let's get into because I really like to get into people's journey so people can like relate to it. Because again, it can be like easy to be like, yeah, so you were like realizing all the self-love stuff. So then you did it. But like I want would love to get more into what that looked like. So maybe could you share about like a relationship? Like since you were talking about the journal and about the relationships, like what were the lessons that you learned in a relationship? Or would you mind sharing about any of those relationships? Like, oh, after that relationship, like what was the journaling and the lessons that you actually learned? Yeah. One of the big things was when I was in process of ending a relationship that had lasted for four years, I was with him for like 
right in the middle of my 20s up to like right before 30. So in the Saturn return time period. And we were such great friends and we were able to have a very solid communication of like, hey, this isn't working, but I still really respect you. And let's figure out if we can can mold it to work or if we need to part ways. And one of the, when we were in that conversation, because that conversation lasted for about six to nine months where it was like, we're not breaking up yet, but we're trying to analyze everything. He had left for South America with his brothers on New Year's. And I just remember being in the kitchen on New Year's Eve and had this complete like meltdown of like, why is my boyfriend not here with me on New Year's? And why did he not consult me about his choice? Like, why was I not included in this decision? And at that point, I was like, I don't want to do a relationship like this anymore. I want to do a relationship with somebody who considers like, hey, this is my girlfriend or what, you know, like a future wife or whatever. I need to, I need to make sure she's okay with this decision I'm making. So I, I realized at that moment, moment that like, oh, I haven't necessarily been considered and I don't want to do that anymore. And that was a really big, like, oh, I think this is what self-love means moment. And then cut to about a year and a half later is when I actually started journaling about that relationship, writing it for, for the book series. And I was like, that, that's pretty profound that I was able to stop and realize in the moment of like, Hey, I don't like this. <laughs> I'd like to be treated differently. Um, and then another thing that I did when I ended that relationship with him is I actually went on what I call my, my, my nomadic journey. Him and I shared a beautiful house in Los Angeles. And I knew that after breaking up with him, I did not want to put myself in a one bedroom because that just felt so kind of like downsizing my life. And I wanted to expand my life. And I thought, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nomad around town. I'm going to house sit, pet sit, sublet. I traveled some around um, different cities and things to, to visit friends, but I still maintain my jobs in Los Angeles. So I had, LA was a home base, even though I didn't have a home. But I guess my home was really kind of my yoga mat because that's the place that I tuned into every single day to get grounded. Uh, so yeah, I put myself on a journey. It was kind of like a trust fall into the universe that I didn't necessarily have any idea where I might be next week, but I allowed it to unfold the way it did. And it was one of the most magical time periods of my life. What do you feel like you most learned about yourself during that time? That when you can step out of the, your way, like get the anxiety and get all the negative thoughts, just clear them. The universe provides you with the path and the steps and everything's just always there for you when you're ready. And when that journey uh, like came to an end, like what, what happened next? Did you finally just be like, okay, I want a home base or did something speak to you that made you then go back to? Yeah, it lasted exactly, exactly nine months, which I find funny because it was like a rebirth. <laughs> and I woke up one morning, it was like March, probably 2nd. And I was like, oh, it's time to find a home now. Like it was just this knowledge. It, yeah. that me, like, and I'm done with this part of the journey. And I looked at three or four apartments moved in by March 5th. It was just like nice. one, one and done essentially. Uh, and that's actually what I call my self-love apartment. Cause I went to, went to some little cute store on Montana Avenue. I was running an errand. And when I got to the checkout, there were candles and I was like, Oh, my new apartment could use a fun candle. Cause I'm a, I love candles so much so that I started a candle line, but I'll get there in a minute. Um, so I grabbed this candle. I didn't really necessarily look at it and I just put it in the put it in the bag. Let's go. And so I get back to my apartment where I haven't moved any furniture in yet because everything was still in storage, but I had one little like basket and a luggage and an air mattress. 
and I lit the candle or I took the candle out of the box to light it. And as I opened the lid of the box, it said, love yourself. And I was like, oh, okay. This is something that I'm, I'm working with. And I remember I cut it out of the box and I put it on my like vision board wall. I have two walls, one where it's like, um, these are the things that I want to manifest. And then these are the things that are that I've already manifested. I need to have gratitude for and like this acknowledgement of like, oh, I'm a manifester. See, remember I did these things. Uh, so I put it on the, I want to manifest wall. And three years later, as I was leaving that apartment, I took it down and I was like, oh man, I really learned to love myself in this apartment. Like, and I put it on there. Like it just, it, that's what happened. Uh, and that was also the apartment that I started writing in. And I think that my self-love journey and my writing journey are so intertwined because it's it's my dharma I'm supposed to write. And I think when you step into your dharma, you are kind of forced on a a parallel spiritual journey. Yeah. And I think that's just so much comes out in writing that you don't even like whether it's journaling or you're writing for some purpose or something like, I don't know how many times I've started, whether like I used to blog all the time and like, I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm going to write a blog about this. And I'd start writing about it. And then it'd be like, almost always turn into like a different blog or be the same blog, but like went, you know, like it wasn't like, oh, th- I'm going to write this. And then it would be like, like, it's just like, once you start writing, like you don't even know what's going to come out of you and these thoughts and feelings that you have or like lessons you don't even know you have for yourself and for other people that, yeah, like I would always be like shocked, like, okay, well, I guess that's the blog then. <laughs> totally. And to add to that, I think that being a writer, I come to the table or come to the computer with a certain idea of what I think is going to happen. And it molds to some degree, but like at some point during the writing, I'm not doing it anymore. It's coming straight from a muse. Like I'm just opened up and whatever wants to flow through flows through. And then I, when I'm done with it, I kind of step back and I'm like, I wrote that. That's wild. That's so good. I'm like, wait, I didn't actually write that. That came from the muse. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So a couple things, you mentioned the self-love candles, but then also you know, you have like this two different walls and stuff like that. These things that you're doing and like the manifestation, I things I want to call in, then things I want to be grateful for. Is that stuff like, did you start immersing yourself into like going to lessons? Is it from your, you said you were like going on yoga, like doing yoga every day, but like, were you starting to also immerse yourself into like, what else can I learn? Like reading, were you reading books? Were you going to retreats? Like, where were you getting like these pieces that were like sort of adding along to your own journey? Books, yoga, yoga was a big, big part of my self-love journey. And I think at first it was because I was able to turn off my phone for 90 minutes during the day and not be connected to it. Cause the jobs that I had with being I was like, assistant, especially as an assistant. Yeah. Cause yeah. I was like, back then we weren't as obsessed with our phones as we are today, but yeah, if you're an assistant or like work in that sort of industry. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I when I worked for entertainers, you know, that's what I did for a long time. And I would sometimes like be going to bed. And so just send an email because like, be so I wouldn't forget. Yeah. And like, a manager's assistant would e- reply back to me at two in the morning. I'm like, why the fuck are you on your phone? Yeah. I, like, I realized I just sent you an email, but that's because I'm on the other side of the world and like the concert just ended or whatever. But I'm like, you, it's okay. You did not need to write back to me. 
Yeah, there's something to be said there's about such an like, urgency in the like, I think corporate probably too. But like, there's, uh, yeah, it's just like, I have to write back right away. I have to write back. I have to be on or like that they feel like they're not doing enough or right or they're not like the, their self worth or fulfillment or like success levels might go down if they don't return to emails right away or something. like. Yeah, that. it's really like a, a boundary issue too. Like, I was like, please stop emailing me back. I know I emailed you in the middle of the night, but I do not re- reply. Yeah. Like, wait until normal business hours, please. <laughs> Seriously, catch me from nine to I was five. Like, email, I was like, that's great that I know that already, but I was like worried for their health. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go to bed. <laughs> yeah, so yoga was really the thing that kind of kicked me into high gear. I was able to put down my phone. I was listening to what all these great yoga teachers were saying about just finding stillness in your body. and. It wasn't an unknown concept to me, but for whatever reason, during that time period in my life, it's just what I needed. And I heard it and started acting upon it. And I was able to see that the more time I spent on my mat, which was, I was going to class probably five or six times a week, the more I was able to take that calm, transformed energy into my, into my actual life. So it was just the, the benefits were immediately view they I could see them like they was yeah. it was like right in my face of like oh this is what yoga did it totally transformed my energy and so yeah what inspired you starting your own candle company and when did that happen I another thing that I've done on my journey is is affirmation candles in general like I used to go to um the store and get those like I call them the catholic candles the long oh yeah yeah, yeah. candles yeah uh this was something that that producer that I originally worked with when I was 23, he had taught me. So I used to go get these candles and kind of set an intention or prayer around it. And he taught me that every time you light it, you say an affirmation. So that way it just like adds more power to your intention. And a lot of in those time periods, it was mostly focused on like, hi, I need to make money. I'm 23 and don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) But as, as it evolved and as my life evolved, I would switch it up to like, please help me understand what self-love is. And I'd burn this candle with the intention of I'm, I'm learning about self-love and I'm learning about myself. And when I, when I thought about how do you monetize self-love? And I know that's a really odd, weird question to say, but I'm like trying to make a, a, a business, right? I thought everything I'd ever done in the world of self-love and, and my journey, I was like, I loved candles the most because I just, I love a good candle in a room. I think the ambiance of it is beautiful. And if it's got a lovely aroma, it just lights up the whole house. Right. And it dawned on me and I was like, I can make affirmation candles. And I went to do a deep dive Google search on like what already exists out there. And every affirmation candle that was out there was very hippy dippy and crystals. And I can totally go down that path, but I knew that my intended audience was not just people in that that arena. I wanted to, I mean, kind of my intended audience are the girls that I grew up with, right? Because they're the ones that I looked at and respectfully like said, you guys do you, I'm going to go do me. And they're the ones that have come around and said, how did you do this? So it was this interesting, like, oh, I need to make this candle line accessible to everybody and not put it, not make it so spiritual that it's, you know, untouchable by other people. That's a lot of my brand everything that I've done as well. But that's because it was for me. Yeah, I was the same. Like I got into yoga, I got into affirmations, but everything that I saw was like purple and fairies and butterfly. And that's not me at all. Hmm. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't really like go. I'll be like, oh, okay, that's nice. But no. So I wanted something like things that, yeah, like I would want around or like I'm more like rock and roll background. So everything's like white, black, gold and red. So I totally get like, yeah, where you're coming from. And 
the intention you had. Yeah. So I made bougie candles. <laughs> and funny enough, when I started to actually sit down to figure out how do I start a business, the website affirmationcandles.com was available. And I was like, oh, this is mine. Like, this is hands down mine. Uh, I worked with a designer that made them very beautiful, the labels, and um, I got to go pick out the the aromas. And it's just, it was a really fun experience. Another another checklist of like, you can do anything you want. You want to create a candle line? Here was you go. Was that before the book it, or after? This was... It was after I had written Go Love Yourself, but right but like six months before it published because I kind of oh, okay. launched it all within the same year of, of 2019. It was fun. I highly recommend taking a candle class just because it's a fun experience. Were you making the candles yourself? No, I went to a company in Santa Monica, California that does them. But I, okay. I did get to go through the process of like, these are the ones that I, this is, these are the aromas that I want. This is the oil blend that I want. And it was, it was just a great lesson in, in, where your creativity can take you. And is it, st- are those still available or no? Yes, yes, they are. They are. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's so the way you were talking about it, it sounded like check, like that's not, like I did it oh. and it's done. And no, so I meant like, <laughs> I meant checklist as far as like, oh, I can do anything I want. I can literally accomplish anything I put my mind to. Want to build a candle company? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So where are you at now? Are you still like working on um, the original? book and making that into a book series or TV series or both? Both. I have a producer attached and we were really hitting hitting hard going out after um, the next steps over the last month or so before everything happened. So right now we're on a little bit of a pause, which is okay. But yeah, I've got the TV pilot ready to go. I've got three out of the four books written. It's just, it's my dharma. It's what I'm here to do. So it's one of those I've surrendered. It's going to happen when it happens, especially given what's going on in the world right now. And it's yeah, definitely surrendering right now. Yeah, it's like, what am I going to do? Keep knocking on producers' doors during the pandemic? No, just I'm resting and waiting to see how this thing shifts out and what the world will be like when we're done. And I know that my book series, that even though it's based on my life, the muses totally wrote it through me, and I. That's why I feel like nothing can stop me. This is to help people. And I'm excited to help people because I have been through such a journey and have, you know, some tools to offer. Got it. All right. uh, Let's get to, I'm going to pull up an image of my keychains and I have, can you see, um, see that's what the keychains look like, but all the phrases are here. And so I have everybody at say not necessarily which phrase they like the most, but which phrase they need in their life right now the most and why? Mm. Well, I'm like, right now is also an interesting time, but yeah. <laughs> Let's see. I actually have fuck the shoulds do the wants on my refrigerator. Oh, you do? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, let's see. The one that's calling to me right now is let that shit go. All right. And why is that one what you're feeling right now? I've been in a massive surrender process over the last nine months. And I finally am at a place where I understand surrender because for years people told me like, you just need to surrender and let it go, let it go. I could hear that, but I didn't know what that meant. Like, how do I incorporate that into my daily schedule? Like what, where do I put the surrender (laughs) or doing a lot of deep dive. I I did a 
kind of a dark night of the soul in December. Um, and I, it was one of those things where I realized I needed to look at some stuff from my childhood. And I actually had the time in my schedule where it's like, oh, I do have like two or three weeks to totally dive into this and not have to worry about like, going to work or anything. Like I can totally take my holiday season and do a huge deep dive. And that taught me a lot about surrender. And over the last couple of months, I've continued the surrender path and understanding it more. And I had this beautiful moment that happened a couple of weeks ago as I was turning the stairs or I was turning in my corner to go upstairs in my house. I have a mirror. And as I just like turned, I glimpsed at myself and I was like, oh, there she is. There's the woman I've always wanted to be. She's here. She's surrendered. Mm. And it's one of those things that I don't really have a story on how I did that. It just, it just happened. Like all the work that I've done really in the last 13 years, but specifically since December, it's like it morphed me into this new upgraded version of myself. The one, the, the woman I've always wanted to be, I've finally like reached that. And yeah, I th- and I think that's how so many of those things happen, whether it is even letting go or surrendering or like self-love. It's not like, you know, like, and ba- check, check, check. I've done all the things and uh, now here is my certificate that I've got. Yeah. That it usually is like a lot of different ups and downs and swirls. And finally you're like, oh, <laughs> like I, suddenly everything clicks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What did that look like when you said you took like two weeks to do a deep dive? Like what did you, were you like really like going through all areas of your life and like things like what, what was that? Yeah. I had some stuff that had been triggered from some childhood issues that I'd never really looked at and they weren't like negative, dark, deep stuff, but it was, I, I had been emotionally running the show for a long time and I really needed to look and realize like, okay, how do I stop doing that? Because that's where I need to surrender. And then the what more does that I, mean emotionally running the show? For me, what happened was when I was six, my parents were going through a bankruptcy and I'm my mom's only child. I have a half sister on my dad's side. She's 14 years older than me. So her and I are close, but we, we both grew up as only children. Um, so I was the, I was the, you know, the kid in the house watching this bankruptcy happen and not really fully understanding it, but understanding that my parents were in a a tailspin. And I tried to just always bring the light and the love. And I was my mom's support, emotional support system during that period. And of course, it took me years to figure this out. I didn't know that at six years old. But now that I can look back and really see it all, it's like, oh, I've always been everyone's emotional support person. And I kind of like any situation that goes down, I'm the one that's like, it's going to be fine. I'll take care of it. And I I try to keep the, the stability um, so does that then mean that a lot of times in you doing that, you unintentionally, unconsciously were like, okay, everything's fine. And so like you're trying to make everybody happy and everything's fine and maybe like make everybody else relax. And so then you sort of start to forsake yourself or like put your own needs and stuff on the back burner. Is it that sort of thing? It, that's a piece of it. And it's also me trying to control situations, which I was sort of like, we can't, we're, we can't be upset. Everything's going to be fine. Like, is it that too? Like not allowing yeah. like all the feeling to happen, just sort of like trying to like cut it off at the neck. Like nobody can see me, but I'm doing these like slicing my head off <laughs> motions. Like, all right, the pain stops here. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's yeah. fine. Like, let's not let that, that feeling go there. <laughs> yeah. I was the one that just tried to keep everything stable. And then 
I'd already worked through some of this during my spiritual journey in the last however many years, but for whatever reason, it was just really nagging at me in December. And I thought, that's what I need to look at. That's where the quote unquote surrender or let go is, even though I don't know what it is. But then when I finally got in there, because I mean, I was in this space for probably two or three weeks. It was through Christmas and New Year's. And I was calling one of my best friends who is on the East Coast. I remember one morning and he's, he's, 20 years older than me and has been through his own mess of stuff. And he's been a mentor to me for a number of years. But I remember calling him one morning, it was like 4.45 a.m. Pacific time and 7.45 a.m. in Atlanta. And he answered, he was like, "Uh oh, what's wrong? Like, what's going on? And I'm like, I think I've hit the wall. Like, I need to do this deep dive and figure out what surrender is. And he was like, okay, I'm here for you with the ride. So it's just... I'm very blessed to have a handful of close friends that were able to kind of like shine a light during the little dark moment of the soul. Got it. Um, All right. So what is when you're not trying to like stop the emotions? (laughs) What is something you do to raise your joy levels or to prioritize your joy? I'm now saying this week with (laughs) what's happening, I'm just being like, do things to prioritize your joy. For me, it's always been singing and dancing. Oh. I grew up in musical theater and competition dance, and it just never left me. I, I haven't been in a studio in years, but I will turn on really any kind of music and I will just dance my heart out. And I haven't sang on stage in a really long time, but I was really into it for my whole entire teen years. I even sang at Car- Carnegie Hall when I was 15. Um, but recently I'm like, oh, I think I want to. I think I want to perform on stage again, which has been oh. kind of like, this, this is the first time I'm saying it out loud. It's like, oh <laughs> yeah, I think that that might be my next um, creative expression. We'll see how it kind of formulates in the coming months. Awesome. Month. Yeah. That's joy is exciting. found in, in my dancing and in music in general, just put on yeah. some music and move around. Yep. It really does. It can be like transformation, like immediately. It's amazing with the energy of music. Yeah. Okay, ask everybody to apply this phrase to their own life. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. So what is easiest for me can be this. What is best for me? Currently, that would be my my food intake. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I'm like, we're currently it's recording this. So probably still released in the stay-at-home time. I'm like, I get that. <laughs> I don't know if I have me for that, but yeah. I actually woke up this morning. I was like, I should probably make a protein shake or something with nutrients in it versus just going for straight up carbs. Cause I've been making like banana bread and cause that seems to be the pandemic's, you know, trending uh, thing to make. <laughs> yeah. I haven't because we don't, we like to actually eat the bananas fresh. So I don't have the, I'm like, I feel like if I made banana bread for my family, then it would be like, taking way too many bananas away from the table you know like it's oh like, yeah like I feel like it'd be like this like a people yeah like selfish like people going and buying too much toilet paper I'm like I don't want to overdo it by using the bananas because of the bananas we already eat in this house so I can't take them to that them makes sense but I'm doing plenty of other baking <laughs> yeah the baking is fun and it's it's easier to eat like a piece of banana bread than make a nutritious breakfast because it's just right there and yeah so that's what I need to be uh, applying over these. Well, there's things. also the, I'm definitely for the fact of, yeah. And like you talked about not judging earlier. It's like, Oh yeah. Enjoy, no judgment. 
enjoy that banana bread while you are. But if you're starting to like feel like, okay, all this banana bread is making me actually not feel good in my body, then yeah, what's easiest is to keep eating this banana bread. But what's best is because I want what's going to make me feel a lot better throughout the day. Totally. (laughs) But like, yeah, I'm definitely like, okay, let me have four cookies with this. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And feeling great about those choices because they are bringing me joy. (laughs) And then I'm the person that'll bake an entire thing of cookies and they'll be gone in 24 hours. There is no rationing of cookies or brownies or anything. They're just, I, they're gone. All right. The last question is the name of the podcast is Claim It because I believe that our feelings of self-worth, success, being lovable, being enough, being fulfilled, any of it is not out there somewhere. Once I have this, do this, be this. It's something that we have to claim for ourselves moment to moment. What are you claiming for yourself right now? I am claiming becoming a heart-surrendered woman that I will live in the surrendered state long after this pandemic is over. Ah, and what does that look like to the heart-surrendered? Is that like, I'm thinking, is it similar to being like heart-opened? Yeah, heart-opened and just allowing life to unfold the way it needs to unfold versus me trying to control it. Got it. So going back to that emotional control. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us, Heather. And I'll make sure to link the book and the candles and. Oh, and I can send you out a code for the book for the P- a PDF of the book while, while we're in this pandemic. I'm happy to share that with your listeners. Oh, great. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Heather. Want to go get her book, go love yourself and look at her candles. All of those links are in the show notes. You can find Heather at Heather Reinhardt. And I've got more links for her as well. Full show notes, go to yourdrologist.com slash podcast and you will find all the episode links. For all things me, go to at yourjoyologist and yourjoyologist.com. I love hearing from you guys. Like I said, please subscribe, leave a review, send it to me at podcast at yourjoyologist.com and I will send you a little gift. And let me know what you love, what your favorite episodes are, all that good stuff. I'd love to hear from you. And I would love to hear, let's leave with a final thought of what do you love about yourself right now in this moment? And it can be something super simple, guys. You don't have to make everything be big and hard and major. Look for the little stuff and it becomes much more easier to find the love, to find the joy, find the gratitude. What do you love about yourself right now in this moment? All right, I will see you on the interwebs and please keep listening. So many good conversations are here at the Claim It Podcast.